good to have the Mercy Mountain girls here tonight. Miss Lori, God bless you. I think you are singing in High Point this week, so you'll get to hear them sing, I think, maybe uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. Okay, good. So we'll look forward to that for sure. Genesis chapter number 27, and uh, I'm just going to ask you to remain seated. I'll uh, pray, read the text, jump right into the message because Donald wants to get out in a hurry. Genesis 27, Father, bless, please, I pray these thoughts that you have laid upon my heart, I believe, for this hour, and thank you that we get to serve you, Lord. My heart's so full, I feel like my uh, heart's up in my throat somewhere. I'm just so thankful, Lord. You've been so good to us this week, and I rejoice in it. It's wonderful, it's humbling, it's marvelous to see your hand working, and so many people busy for the Lord loving others, and pouring themselves out into the lives of others. I thank you for it. Now bless the preaching of thy word now to our hearts in this hour. Please send thy spirit all is vain. Otherwise, in Christ's name, amen. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son... And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. By the way, I don't know mine either. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. I won't speak to you on the subject. Don't quit too soon. Isaac is 129 years old in this passage. He's evidently becoming feeble. The Bible's not specific, perhaps even bedridden. We do know that his eyesight is failing to the point of blindness. And he really feels like he's close to death. He's getting his final affairs in order. However, death will not come to Isaac for many, many years. After this experience of Genesis 27... Jacob will flee from his brother Esau to Haran and Uncle Laban. He'll spend the next 20 years there. While he's gone, his mother Rebekah will die. But his father Isaac, remarkably, lives on. I want to give some statements tonight. Statement number one. Sometimes we may feel that God is finished with us when in fact he's not. Isaac, I think, felt that way. I think God's done with me. I've got to get my final affairs in order. But God wasn't done with Isaac. Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed uh, appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We don't always know the appointments of God. So, don't quit too soon. Amen? Amen? Don't quit too soon. Isaac said it expressly in This passage. I don't know when 
I'm going to die. I know not the day of my death. In Genesis 35, 28 and 29, the Bible records the death of Isaac at 180 years old. His twin sons are now 120. His grandson Joseph is 30. That's the year he was appointed prime minister of Egypt. Isaac didn't live long enough to hear the news. But that's what was happening in the closing year of his life. Isaac's God-fearing influence was being borne out in the life of his grandson, of whom it would say repeatedly that the Lord was with him. I remember uh, Brother Bobby Robertson, who pastored Gospel Light Baptist Church for 61 years at Walker Town. I remember when he was, early, when he was in his early 80s. He said, I'm announcing my retirement. He said, I'm going to retire at 100 and then go into evangelism. (laughs) He didn't retire at 100. He passed at 86. But he sprinted to the finish line. This next illustration is typically the closing illustration. So don't get excited, those of you who've heard it before. But it was August of 1944. The 2nd Battalion of the 30th U.S. Army Division was entrenched on Hill 317, calling in artillery strikes on German troops to their east. They had a 20-mile view from the top of Hill 317. It was absolutely strategic, and for the Germans to advance, they had to wipe that hill clean. So they surrounded the hill, and for five days... They subjected it to never-ending assaults. A barrage of shells hammered the American position. The Americans took a beating. They were completely cut off from any supply chain. They ran low on food and ammunition. On the third day, Lieutenant Robert Weiss sent out a message saying, As sleepy, tired, and hungry as I am, I've never felt so good as I feel right now. Early on the fifth day, a German tank clattered to the top of that in, in, uh, 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 to the top of that uh, entrenchment and fired two rounds directly into the beleaguered American lines. Then the tank commander opened his hatch and called out in perfectly English, "Surrender or die." For long seconds. No one moved and nothing was heard. Then one GI threw down his weapon, ran to the tank, climbed on board. No one else moved. The tank was closed, turned around, and went down the hill with his one prisoner. But those who remained did not die. Because later that same day, the American forces broke through the German lines and relieved the tired but happy Americans all except for one foolish soldier who quit too soon. Don't quit too soon. I heard a great message by Brother Jack Bachman last week in Mississippi. He was traveling with the uh, young man from Lone Star Baptist College. His dad pastor for years is not able to now, and but he's a soul winner. And um, he, he told me, he said, Dad, let's go over here to Walmart. I think he'll hit to Walmart. He said, okay, I'll go with you, son. 
And so he took his dad to Walmart, and he got out of the vehicle, started heading to Walmart, and looked around. His dad was not anywhere, and his dad was in the parking lot giving out gospel tracts. That's June. Now, this is not the exact number, but it's pretty close. He said, my dad said, son, I can't do everything I used to do, but I'm going to do what I can do. He was up to over 300 souls he's personally led to Christ this year already. I don't know how much time I have. I may live one more day. I may live to the trumpet sounds, which is what I would like to do. Amen. I don't know if I'm going by the clouds or if I'm going by the clods, but I know this. Too many of God's people quit too soon. I'll make a second statement. Sometimes we may feel that we have plenty of time when we don't. Sometimes we feel that God's finished us with us when in fact He's not. And sometimes we may feel that we have plenty of time when we don't. We all remember Luke 12, 20. When the words were spoken of the man, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Thou fool, this night. Here's a man, very successful. A man who had made his own plans. A man who had barns. And he said, I've got to make more room. And so he tore. He said, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to tear, tear my barns down and build bigger barns. And yet that night was his last night on earth. I remember a story Dr. Ray Young told, and it seared upon my mind and heart, even as a Bible college student. And he told about a young couple who was involved uh, in the bus ministry and in the ministries of the church while they were in college and uh, busy for the Lord. God had called them into ministry, and they were called uh, to a ministry. I don't remember if it was to start a church or take a church. I don't remember what it was. As I remember, uh, as best I remember, they were, but they were headed to their first ministry. And this young married couple just finished Bible college and going off into the ministry and loaded up their vehicle, loaded it down with all their belongings and drove to Texas to start their ministry. And as they drove into town, past the sign, welcome to, and drove into town, that little town of Texas, a drunk driver hit him and took him into eternity. I remember, I can't, I have a brain freeze, Brother Jeff, that started a, we worked together overnight, that started a church in Columbia, South Carolina. He was a, a peer of Jeff Jones. Thank you, sweetie. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad I married a brain. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Jeff Jones. And we started about the same time, and a few years afterwards, he got cancer, and God took him to heaven. I remember, Dad, I, Mom, I remember when I was sitting on the front row and, uh, and, and, and uh, Lynn Sumner, or excuse me, Stephen was the younger. Stephen Sumner was next to me and I was burdened for Stephen Sumner. I think I was, I think I was, uh, uh, I think I was 10 and, um, and Stephen would have been 9. And uh, I was burdened for Stephen. And I was, my heart was heavy for him. And I'm his invitation. I was praying. And I felt I need to talk to him about his soul. I need to talk to him about his soul. Open my eyes. I said, and he was already at the altar. <laughs> and he got saved that night. Sometime later, I was 10 years old. Uh, Lynn was 11. And Stephen was 9. And they were on their way to the Atlanta Braves baseball game. And uh, uh, some, a vehicle, a large vehicle had broken down, as I understood it was in the lane, 
And somehow, some way, they ran up under the vehicle. And all were killed. That was the first time as a young boy that I had friends close to my age that passed. We sat down to get to Taco the last week over at the Burrito Brothers, and Umberto came to over there, uh, who we had the privilege of leading Christ, and he came, stopped by the table. He said, Pastor, my dad passed away. He said he was healthy. He was older, but he was very healthy. He wasn't feeling well. And he said, I called my brother down in Mexico and said, Listen, uh, dad needs to go to the hospital. He's not feeling well. And uh, they took him to the hospital, but he didn't make it to the hospital. My heart was so heavy for the McDowell family this morning. Thank you, Brother Kevin, for loving that family, reaching them. Both of them saved now. Hear the shocking news that their son was murdered. Miss Karen's in South Carolina. Miss Karen Summerford, she just buried her own husband. Her sister Tammy loves the Lord. She was here for the funeral. And now just a handful of weeks later, yet uh, yesterday, Tammy's husband unexpectedly passed. And now two sisters, widows, within just a few weeks of each other. We were dropping off the other night, vacation Bible school, and Stacy was with me. And, and I looked at a house, and I remembered waiting in front of that house some years back with the uh, law enforcement, waiting for Dad to come home from work to tell him that his son was gone. I do not know the details. Please don't... Please, uh, I have very limited knowledge of the situation, but I was told, and I trust it is true, that Jerry Ross has cancer. Some of you may have heard that. Pastor Jerry Ross has influenced our ministry, whether you realize it or not. He's... The lessons, the Sunday school lessons that we're using were written by Pastor Jerry Ross. Do you, have you heard that, Brother Schwartz? You familiar that? Okay, several of you are nodding your head. Thank you. But it's um, a, 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 a humble man of God. I, I hope the Lord heals him. I pray the Lord heals him. But you know, Brother Jerry Ross has folks on the mission field that he won to Christ when he was a Bible college student. And he's a few years my senior. He's been at it a good while in ministry. But he did something with the opportunity that he had, and he's continued to do it year after year after year. And I don't know about you, friend. I don't know how much time I have left. You don't know how much time you have left. But we ought to use what we have. Amen. Sometimes we feel like we have plenty of time. Young people, you say, well, we've got plenty of time. I, I will never forget. Now, this is so sensitive. But I will always remember. Three years in a row. When we said goodbye to three precious teenage girls in this church. None of us imagined such a thing. And for those of you who carry that every day of your life, know this, that we still, our hearts still break for you. We know not how much time we have. A man told me. He said, Pastor, we'll be we'll be leaving in about six months. So and they they were in transition. Now, good 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 people, good people. I, I I'm not I don't want to diminish them. I don't think anybody want will know have any idea who I'm speaking of, but 
I don't want to diminish them. I think they're very sincere what they said. They were uh, transitioning between ministries and and good, wonderful Christian servants. But they came to me and they said, we're just going to be here for six months, Pastor. So we, we just thought probably we shouldn't get real involved with people because, you know, if we get too involved with people, you know, then it'll be hard for the people we leave. I said, let me tell you something. I said, if you're here for six months or six days or six hours, you ought to bear your heart where you are and tie yourself all up with people because you may not be here in six months. You may not have six days. Listen to me. You ought to baptize yourself in the work of the Lord in the place of service that God has given you. And you ought to serve every single day as though it were your last day. Which leads me to a third thought. Each day we ought to practice Philippians 3.13. This one thing I do. This one thing I do. Now I'm going to preach to you something. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. This is something I struggle with. This is something I struggle with. We all need to learn how to compartmentalize our life. We all need to learn to live a disciplined life, a scheduled life. And when we put our hand to something, give ourselves totally to it. I'll readily admit that I become distracted too easily. Squirrel. Uh, But that's... We live in an an age with a bazillion distractions, do we not? By the way, Mom, that... Okay. That that might be a real good reason for you to think before you put something in your child's hands that's going to distract them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have a hard enough time focusing. Even if it wasn't connected to the sewer... So I got filters. You know, we filter the sewer. Even if it wasn't connected to the sewer, it's a constant distraction. It's, 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 it's amazing. People can't have interpersonal relationships and talk to people. Okay, enough of that. But my point is this. The, 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 Paul said this, this one thing I do. Give yourself completely to the task at hand. He said in 1 Timothy 4.15 to the young servant of God, he said, meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Listen, we dabble too much in the Lord's work. I was talking to one of our ministry leaders and he was asking me about how to handle the situation. I was trying to, figure, I was trying to remember which one it was. I said chicken little, then I said henny penny. And I went and did my mother goose research and I found out it was the little red hen. Remember the little red hen? Found the little kernel of wheat. Who will help me plant the wheat? Not I, said the horse. Not I, said the pig. Not I, said the dog. So she planted the wheat herself. And then it came time to harvest the wheat. Who will help me harvest the wheat? Not I, said the pig. Not I, said the horse. Not I, said the dog. Or cow, whatever it was. And then it was time to thresh the wheat. Who will help me thresh the wheat? Not I, said the pig. Not I, said the horse. Not I, uh, said the dog. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then it was time to uh, grind it into a flour. Uh, not I, not I, not I. Then it was time to bake the bread. Not I, not I. Then it was time to eat the bread. Who will help me eat the red? I will, said the horse. I will, said the cow. I will, said the dog. And the little redhead said, you know what? I think just me and my chicks will have supper tonight. Listen, do you know what the work of God needs? The work of God needs some folks who will say, this one thing I do, who will take responsibility, who will take something under their wing. May I say this, listen, whatever ministry in which you serve, whatever place of service that God has given to you, you ought to own that place that God has given you. 
If I, listen, if I just decided not to show up one day, I would be missed. Now, my question to you is this. If you didn't show up one day, would you be missed? Would you be, you can say amen if you want to. Would you be missed? I mean, listen, you, how many of you have saved more than five minutes? Say amen. amen. Then we ought to be busy in the Lord's work. And being busy in the Lord's work doesn't mean, listen, this man doesn't have the luxury of just coming and going. This man right here doesn't have the luxury of just coming and going. Why? These men have responsibilities and these ladies that sit among us, they have responsibilities. I have the luxury of coming and going. Can, can I tell you something? <laughs> Sunday school teachers, did you ever feel like, did you, did you ever not feel like teaching your class? It was today, wasn't it, that you told me that? <laughs> Did you ever wake up and say, you know, I just, I just don't really feel like doing it today. Listen, the, listen, er, listen, you want to accomplish something for God. You need a task that is yours and you own it and you take responsibility and you have a place that you can't leave. And if you have to leave it, you've got to make sure that your job is covered before you go out the door. Somebody say, man, I'm lonely up here. Get a task on it. See it through. Hebrews 5.12. The time you ought to be teaching, you have need that one teacher again. There comes a place in your Christian life where you ought to be giving yourself away. Not primarily being fed, but feeding others. And when that time comes and you stop and you pause and you don't continue to grow, then the Bible says you retract and you become again someone who needs milk and not the meat of the Word. Listen, whatever the name. If you've been saved for a while, then, then, then you ought to take another step and another step and another step. And I'm not talking about a title. I'm not talking about a position. I'm talking about a place to serve. Listen, why don't you come to these staff members and you say, Pastor, give me a bathroom. Uh, Sister, Pastor, give me, you, Pastor, give me a bathroom. I'm going to own that bathroom. I'm going to make sure it's clean. I'm going to make sure it's shiny. I can't do the whole building, but I can take one bathroom and I can make sure that thing's clean for every service. And when it needs to be ready, it's going to be ready. That's going to be my responsibility. How about that? Each day. Practice one th- this one thing I do. Number four, live one day at a time. Don't lament mistakes of yesterday. Don't pre-live tomorrow. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Live today. We don't know how many days we have after today, so live today. No matter what age you are, the only day you have is today. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, the Bible says. Let me say something good about basketball. In basketball, coach back here. Where's coach at? Coach back here. There's something good about basketball. Not much about good, about good about basketball. But here's something good about basketball. In basketball, you have, to, you will not win unless you learn to forget the last play and move on. Many teams struggle because oh, oh you're dragging down the court. You, you had a bad shot, Noah, and you're. I mean, uh, sorry, you had a bad shot. You're dragging down the court, and the other team scored already because you're still lamenting the, the last play. Look, you're not the first person to miss a shot for crying out loud. So get up and go on and, 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 and hit the next shot. Don't, young people, don't wish yourself, to, old people do. Don't wish yourself to be a different age. Don't wish yourself to be in a different life stage. In Luke 9, 59 through 62, uh, the, the, uh, the man said, he said, Lord, he said, I want to follow you. I'll go with you anywhere. He said, but let me go bury uh, my dad first. And one said, I'll go with you anywhere, but let me go home and say goodbye to my family. What were these men? They're talking about life stage. I got some children. They're about to leave the house. Let me be there and see them off to leave the house. And I got, to, I got, to, he's elderly and I want to be him when he dies and he dies and then at the next, listen, no, 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 today, today, today. Maybe it's your life stage. You can't do some things you could in an earlier life stage or a later life stage, but you do today what you can do for Jesus Christ. We've been to Hawaii one time. We found a church. 
in Hawaii. And we're, like we always do, we fellowship everywhere we go. It was years ago, 99, 90-something, I think. And met a man and started talking to him. He's a dentist. And uh, where are you from? I'm from Kansas. I said, what are you doing out here in Hawaii? He said, well, we used to. He said, I, 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 grew, I grew up in Kansas. Grew up on a farm. I farmed some. And he said, I, got my, I became a dentist. And, and we, we used to like to go and, 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 and uh, vacation in, in Hawaii. And, he, and I said to my wife, I said, why don't we just move over here? He said, so we moved over here. He said, I'm, I'm going to retire this year. He said, I cannot wait to get back to Kansas and get on a tractor again. And get out there in the fields. And I thought, how many farmers on tractors in Kansas want to be in Hawaii? And this man's in Hawaii and wants to be in Kansas on a tractor. <laughs> Don't wish yourself at a different life stage, different circumstance. Make the best of what you have and live one day at a time. Lastly, take one step at a time. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I heard something and it shocked me. I thought I heard everything my pastor ever preached. But I was listening to a message Brother Howells preached. He, he, he became 75 in uh, 74 in September of 2000, and he died in February of 2001, so it had to be in the last five months of his life. And I'm listening to a sermon. Here's what he said. I've never had a master plan. Somebody's ministry. I said, and I've never been much for goals. I don't rush a project. I just try to do my best every day. That helped me. Man, I've been feeling guilty for 25 years. I don't have a master plan. I quit feeling guilty. Amen. (laughs) Hey, let's just live for the Lord every single day. Do our best. We don't know how much time we have. Let's stand together. Father, we love you. Do a little something in our hearts, God. Keep us going for another.